It's Friday, September the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, European recovery plans and tech stocks nosedive. First, the world in brief. France's Prime Minister Jean Castex announced a coronavirus recovery plan worth 100 billion euros, or 118 billion US dollars, equivalent to 4% of GDP. The money will go towards green initiatives, lower taxes to boost industry, and employment and education initiatives for young people. Spain's government, meanwhile, will extend its furlough scheme indefinitely to protect workers from the economic impact of the pandemic. Investors pulled back from technology stocks yesterday, pushing the Nasdaq 100 index down by more than 5% at one point, its biggest intraday decline since March. The S&P dropped 3.9%. Share prices in Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook and Microsoft, which have all been buoyant during the COVID-19 pandemic, fell. New claims for unemployment benefit in America fell to their lowest weekly level since March when lockdown restrictions were put in place. The 881,000 claims last week were less than many economists expected, partially because of a change in how the Department of Labor measures them. America's monthly employment report released today will offer a fuller picture of the jobs market. After months of scaremongering about voter fraud, President Donald Trump encouraged North Carolinans to vote twice, once by mail and once in person, putatively to test the security of their state's postal voting system. The state's Attorney General tweeted that doing so was illegal, accusing Mr Trump of encouraging voters to break the law to help him sow chaos in the election. Facebook will stop accepting new political advertising a week before America's election. Ads placed on the social media site before the deadline will still appear during the final week of the campaign. Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook's boss, worries that the nation's divisions could lead to an increased risk of civil unrest. An American appeals court ruled that a mass surveillance operation run by the National Security Agency, exposed by Edward Snowden in 2013, was unlawful. The program collected the phone records of millions of Americans without any warrant. Mr Snowden, who fled to Russia after revealing details of the NSA's activities, is still wanted on espionage charges. And England's Premier League, the world's most watched sports league, cancelled its contract with its Chinese broadcaster PPTV. The deal was worth £564 million, or US$749 million, over three years, making China its most lucrative overseas market. PPTV reportedly withheld its latest payment, arguing for a big discount because England's football season was disrupted by COVID-19. The league has been forced to compensate other broadcasters. And now, here's today's agenda. Into single digits, America's jobs report. Since peaking at an astonishing 14.7% in April, the unemployment rate in America has eased slowly back down. On the performance of the past few months, today's jobs report should reveal that the rate of 10.2% in July fell into single digits in August. That is good news, but perhaps not as good as it might appear at first. Since peaking at an astonishing 14.7% in April, 
the unemployment rate in America has eased slowly back down. But many economists now think that the rate recorded since the pandemic began contains a statistical error and that the true number was a few percentage points higher. Moreover, unemployment is falling less quickly than many economists had expected, largely because of the resurgence of the virus. Many high-frequency measures of economic activity, including card spending, are not recovering as quickly as they once were. Congress's inability to agree on a new economic stimulus package means that more disappointment may lie ahead. Down but not out, Uber and Lyft. Ridesharing companies have long feared they will be forced to reclassify their drivers as employees. That could put the already unprofitable firms on the hook for holiday pay, sick leave and other benefits. Last month, those fears came true when a Californian judge ruled that drivers for the two largest services, Uber and Lyft, were employees under AB5, a state law that went into effect in January. The two firms came close to suspending their operations in California, but the court allowed them to classify drivers as contractors while they appealed. Today, the chief executives of both companies must submit sworn statements that they are developing plans to comply with AB5. If those appeals fail, they may turn into a franchise model, whereby their names are licensed to operators of taxi fleets. But Uber and Lyft hope to never reach that point. They have spent millions pushing a ballot initiative that would exempt them from AB5. Hanging in there, Indigo. This week, Indigo, India's biggest airline, flew two bags of plasma from Bangalore to a COVID-19 patient in Srinagar, around 3,000 kilometres away. This was the first such intercity delivery in the pandemic, but it is unlikely to impress Indigo's shareholders, who at their annual meeting today will vote on the salary of Ronjai Dutta, the carrier's boss. In June, Indigo suffered its biggest ever quarterly loss and said it would lay off 10% of its employees. Last month, Interglobe Aviation, which runs the airline, said it would raise 40 billion rupees or 534 million US dollars by selling a stake. Yet with cash reserves of 185 billion rupees, Indigo is still in better shape than its competitors in the COVID-stricken industry. India's second largest airline, Spicejet, has only 402 million rupees in hand. Since Wednesday, Indian carriers have been allowed to operate at 60% of their total capacity, up from 45% in June. That will offer some respite in turbulent times. Unlikely to agree, Serbia and Kosovo's leaders meet. Emboldened by their success at mediating a deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates less than a month ago, American diplomats are now hoping to achieve a similar coup in the Balkans. Two days of meetings between Serbian President Aleksandar Vucic and Kosovo's Prime Minister Avdullah Hoti concluded today. The talks are nominally about normalising economic relations, but politics are unavoidable. Many of the economic problems under discussion are entwined with the question of Kosovo's sovereignty. Kosovo has long insisted that Serbia recognise its independence, declared in 2008. And last night, Vucic said he rebuffed a proposed deal which included that. Serbia exports more to Kosovo than it imports, giving Mr Vucic an incentive to remain at the bargaining table. But the economic prospects alone might not be enough to reach an agreement. If one of actual substance were struck, rather than one for show, it would be as great a surprise as the UAE-Israel deal.
from romance to drama, Hollywood and China. Mulan, the tale of a Chinese girl who joins the army to help see off a foreign invasion, is out today after a long COVID-induced delay. Disney spent 200 million US dollars on the film in hopes of conquering the Chinese box office. It is no wonder Hollywood is looking east. Last year, China's theatres took $9.7 billion, almost as much as America's. This year, China may move into the lead as the pandemic keeps American cinemas closed. Yet Hollywood is increasingly being squeezed out of the Chinese market. A decade ago, American films dominated the Chinese box office. Last year, eight of the top ten films in China were homegrown. Chinese studios are turning out slicker movies. Meanwhile, stricter censorship is making Hollywood's life harder and worrying American politicians. America's Attorney General recently accused studios of kowtowing to communist censors. As political and commercial obstacles mount, Hollywood's adventure in China is not heading for a happy ending. Finally, here's the quote of the day, from Musa al-Qadim, who died on September 5th, 799 AD. Association with a learned one in slums is by far better than sitting with an ignorant person on sumptuous and luxurious carpets. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you'll have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 